Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond fireside chats. Today I'm chatting to Simon Naylor, the conservation manager at and beyond Pinda Private Game Reserve in South Africa. Having worked at Pinda for 16 years, Simon has an incredible wealth of knowledge and expertise when it comes to conservation and reserve management. But today we will be speaking about lions, specifically about their conservation across Africa and Asia, including the conservation value of lions in smaller fenced reserves, all the different challenges that lions face across their landscapes that they inhabit, and how Simon and his team go about managing the lion population at Pinda. Simon, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on the podcast. Thanks, Josh. Nice to be here. I think let's dive right into it. And my first question for you, Simon, is why are lions an important species to conserve and what are the challenges facing them today? Lions are really, really one of the most iconic species um, in Africa and obviously Asia. Um, And there's been a long association between lions and, and, and human beings. Um, I, think, I think the most important thing is that they're, they're, they're a top predator, certainly in Africa and, and perhaps a little bit in Asia, although you have, have tigers there as well, which dominate the landscape. But being a top predator right at the top of the food chain, they you know, play a really, really important role in, in managing the, the ecosystem and, and, uh, and their impact on the ecosystem is 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 substantial so everything underneath them uh you know the prey and you know the prey that they eat and and the habitat that they they live in uh they play such a crucial role in that uh in that ecosystem and um and then obviously you know for for tourism they they play a really really important role for tourism i mean most people in fact all people you know that come to to africa generally on safari, uh, want to see lions. You know, they're one of the big five, and and numerous studies have shown, together with elephants, they're probably at the top of the list of what people really want to see when they come on safari in Africa. Um, so that's that's I think just quickly two 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 really really important um, or three actually if you take the historical um, you know uh, history of 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 lions uh, in 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 the world. Um, the significance that lions play in our in our cultures, many many different cultures. So those those are sort of three reasons why lions. It's really really important to conserve and protect lions um, in 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 Africa and Asia. And then in terms of the the challenges which are facing them at the moment, what are some of the more pressing ones? Yeah, there's there's a there's a number. You know, um, you know, being being obviously top carnivores, uh, big big cats. Uh, I guess the biggest the biggest challenge is that they come in into conflict with with humans. Um, you know, Africa and and Asia, which is and India in particular, where they occur, you know, have have some of the fastest growth rates uh, in in the world currently. You know, India and Africa, uh, the the populations are are really you know um, growing fast, and so. Um, you know, lions need big open spaces. They need animals. You know, they prey to eat, and and people then need you know need land to to grow grow food and crops. And you know, especially in in India and, and Africa, you know, a lot of where lions occur, you know, you've got subsistence farming people that that still 
tend uh, cattle and, and, and goats and things like that. And so they come into conflict with, 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 with lions. So they really are running out of space, you know, as, as humans encroach on the, you know, the areas where they occur and, and where lions exist. Um, and so that, that's, that's really, I think, their biggest challenge. And, and at, at, at those places, you know, you've also got disease. You know, you've got uh, diseases like canine distemper. You've got uh, a number of different feline diseases which are transmissible into lions, and so they're having an impact on, on lion numbers and, and populations and health as well. Um, you know, diseases that are transferred from dogs and cats and, uh, you know, even cattle, things like TB, etc., um, tuberculosis. So that, that, that is, I would say, the main, the main challenges that lions face in both Africa and and Asia and India in particular, they just they just they really are running out of space. Um, another issue is is you know lions are slowly sort of squeezed into these islands of of popu- you know these populations of you know these island populations you know so they're getting cut off from each other. There's there's no longer corridors between between lion populations, and so you you're having inbreeding taking place as well, which which has a whole whole number of issues if, uh, you know if lions start to inbreed with each other so yeah just just you know again there's two or three sort of challenges that are facing lions in in africa and asia today yeah thanks simon you've mentioned some really interesting talking points which we'll we'll come back to in, in a few seconds but i also quickly wanted to ask you if you could address a, a common misconception that we hear quite often and that is that lions are actually not endangered um, technically, no. They they um, they fall into the IUCN red list as vulnerable, which is uh, just one up from endangered. You know, the IUCN have a sort of a, a category of um, you know from from least concern, which is sort of species that are perhaps a, you know really abundant or of no conservation concern. Um, to extinct, which is, you know, there's, there's none left. Um, and lions sort of fall into kind of the middle of that, um, which is vulnerable, which is not to say that they, they're not in trouble, but they're technically not endangered. You know, the next one down from vulnerable is, is endangered. And, um, you know, lions could very easily move into that category. Their, their numbers are in decline. And, um, you know, this, this list sort of gets evaluated or these categories get evaluated from time to time. So it's not to say that lions are not going to move into that endangered uh, sort of category. But globally, they sit in the vulnerable category. Um, in South Africa, which is where, 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 where I am based at, uh, at Pinder Private Game Reserve, South African lions are... Um, yeah, definitely not endangered. Uh, their numbers are doing well. So I think South Africa uh, is a different, maybe a different situation to to the global situation where where not, lion numbers are actually on the increase. Um, um, so yeah, that, that's the, the sort of the you know the the microscopic sort of view of of lions. Um, but yeah, technically they're not endangered; they're vulnerable. But but unfortunately, the the numbers are in decline, and so there's probably a very good chance that they will move into the endangered category uh, shortly, quite soon. And that's, that's interesting. So in South Africa, they're actually doing, doing fine or doing okay. How does this compare to their range throughout the rest of Africa and why? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's very interesting, the South African lion scenario. Um, you know, compared to the rest of Africa, as I said, they, they're actually well conserved. Um, you know, they still face similar challenges. Um, but in South Africa, look, and, and it's it, it has a sort of, because of, of historical um, reasons, um, there was actually very few lions left in South Africa, um, you know, at the turn of the century. South Africa was sort of colonized quite quite early on compared to other other countries in Africa. You know, set, settlers and colonialists arrived here and, and hunters really shot out most of the lions. Um, you know, there was only a few lions left in, you know, the Kalahari and, and in the Kruger National Park um, of today. Most of the lions in South Africa were shot out. You know, they, they disappeared. Um, but in the early 90s, there was this sort of um, boom of, of private game reserves and state game reserves and the sort of resurgence of protected areas and game reserves in South Africa. And all of them introduced lions, um, you know, into these sort of fenced off reserves. And lions have done very, very well. So the number of lions compared to what they were 50, 60, 70 years ago has, has really, really increased. And so lion numbers in South Africa are on the increase, um, generally. Uh, I'm not talking about lions in, in captive sort of breeding situations. I'm talking sort of uh, wild managed lions in, in a sort of more conservation context. Um, and lions are doing well in the Kruger National Park. And uh, there's a large, obviously a large number there. I would say compared to the rest of Africa, it's the opposite effect. You know, in the rest of Africa, Lions are generally stable in number or in decline. I think most most countries in Africa, lion numbers are in decline. Um, so yeah, South Africa, maybe Swaziland and Botswana and Namibia, probably a similar situation. Um, you know, they're in these sort of well-managed sort of fenced-off parks um, where they grow, their numbers grow quite quickly. Um, but yeah, compared to the rest of Africa, um, you know, where they're in decline, it's quite different. And uh, you've already mentioned that historically lions roamed all the way from Europe to Asia and Southern Africa, and you've spoken into the competition that they have with uh, humans for space and agriculture and the habitat fragmentation that that's causing. Could you paint a picture for us of what the current range is available to lions and what kind of areas they are able to inhabit now? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, lions were widely distributed across Africa, um, you know, in Asia and even into Europe, you know, many, many, you know, the turn of the century. Um, now they sort of occur in small pockets and, and areas. There's there's still a few lines left in West Africa, in Senegal and Benin. Um, you know, there's the odd line sort of pops up in Sierra Leone and, and Guinea, you know, some of those West African countries. But but really, the, the numbers are, are, are very, very small, you know, and some people might even say that they're not viable populations. Um, the, the, the sort of largest group or, or, or numbers of lions, I would say, are perhaps in Central Africa now, you know, countries like Central African Republic. And, um, you know, there's lions in Uganda, uh, DRC, uh, in Sudan, perhaps. And then obviously East Africa, there's a stronghold of, of lions in East Africa, you know, populations in Kenya, Tanzania, um, and then, you know, in Southern Africa, you've got a, a lot of lions. You know, Botswana has large numbers of lions, Namibia, 
uh, I guess there's probably lions in Angola, um, in Zambia, of course, and, and Mozambique, and then South Africa. Um, so, so those are the sort of the main strongholds of lions left. I would say East Africa, there's, there's, there's populations of lions in Central Africa, and then Southern Africa is the other large sort of remaining stronghold um, of lions. In, that's in Africa. And uh, in Asia, there's, there's one, one population of Asiatic lions in the Gur sort of forests uh, in Gujarat in, in, in Western India. And, and how does this scattered distribution of lions um, through a number of environments and different types of reserves, how, how does that distribution affect their conservation and management? Well, it's, it, it affects it, obviously, because, um, you know, lions need large landscapes. You know, they need large areas to disperse and to roam. And, you know, they need, they need um, large populations of, of antelope and ungulates to feed on, you know. And um, I guess... It it distri- it, uh, it affects them when you know these these populations are isolated from each other, um, which is what's happening now. I think East Africa uh, and Southern Africa have the sort of largest remaining populations. You know the Serengeti, the Masai Mara, the Sulu, or now the Nyerere National Park, uh, and then you've got in Botswana, you've got Chobi, Moremi. Um, Suvuti, which has um, you know a really large population of, of lions, so they can disperse into Zimbabwe, even Wangi, and and then in in South Africa you've got the Kruger National Park, which has got a few thousand lions as well. So I think lions lions need large areas, um, you know, and and the 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 research has shown that um, it's only in these large areas where you've got, you know, up to sort of, um, you know, a thousand animals, maybe more, and a hundred prides where they can sort of be self-sustaining, you know, in other words, where where nature, um, you know, runs its course and, you know, lions will, you know, regulate their own numbers and interact and evolve as they would, you know, natural selection would take place. Um, you know, they don't need management or intensive management, should I say? Um, um, and that's that's kind of why these large areas are important, is because you want lions to sort of manage themselves um, and let nature take its course. Um, where it's different in in southern Africa, and certainly in South Africa, you've got you've got these small isolated populations where obviously the management has to you know management has there has to be intensive management of of the populations um, of the lions themselves so I think that's sort of the, maybe the key feature in 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 the distribution of lions currently now you've you've got you know really uh, fewer and fewer of these large populations where they manage themselves and um, what are some of the challenges of managing lions in in the smaller fenced reserves that you're speaking about the main challenge is, is um, well, in smaller fenced reserves is, is um, this sort of tendency of lions to want to, you know, they, they, they are really prolific breeders. Um, you know, if you take away some of their, their natural predators or, or competition, like, um, like spotted hyena, um, you know, uh, or if you've got low numbers of leopards, for example, or, or, or no wild dogs, um, they really breed prolifically, um, and I would say, in in South Africa, which has 
um, mostly uh, a lot of these sort of um, island populations of lions. You know, in South Africa, uh, we manage a lot of the lions as a meta population. Um, so, you know, you don't have one population of lions. The, the Kruger National Park in South Africa is a sort of a self-sustaining lion population. Um, and the Khadakhadi National Park is the other one, you know, where lions move across into Botswana and, um, you know, there's a really large population of lions there. The rest of the lions in South Africa are managed or are contained within these sort of small to medium size uh, populations. And, and that's, um, you know, areas that are about 100,000 hectares or less. Um, so I would say the largest sort of area is, is like Shishui and Falozi, which is about 100,000 hectares. They've got, they've got about 100 lions uh, approximately. Uh, that is not self-sustaining. You know, they're surrounded by people um, and agriculture, and, and, and as most of the lions in South Africa are, um, you go to any national, well, small private reserve or even national park like Marakele, for example, uh, which has lions, they're, they're completely surrounded by, by human infrastructure and agriculture. Um, and so they, they, they deemed a small... Um, small population. And so they managed within their park, but they also form part of a sort of a greater meta population. And so these smaller populations are then managed together. I would say the challenge is, is, is rapid growth rate. Um, you know, you put a fence around a group of lions, you give them lots of water to drink, lots of food, an abundance of food. Um, they're going to grow quite, quite quickly. So, um, you know, lionesses can have um, you know multiple litters in a uh, in a short space of time. Um, you know, a lion population can double double in 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 two years very easily. So I would say that's that's probably the biggest challenge that we face, certainly in South Africa, um, is you know in these well protected fenced reserves is is a rapid lion population growth, and and that obviously has. A cascading impact on, um, and it you know it would have a cascading impact on other predators like cheetah and wild dogs, and possibly leopards and spotted hyenas, um, but also on the, the the prey numbers that that are there. You know because the prey can't disperse either; they can't migrate, they can't leave the park, and so the lions sort of tend to um, uh, deplete their numbers as well. So it's it's kind of m- managing the balance of nature, if that makes sense. Um, and that's kind of what, that's our biggest challenge um, in, in South Africa with, with these smaller sort of managed reserves of, of wild lions. Simon, you, you've spoken into how some of those larger populations are self-sustaining. And um, you've mentioned a, a few of the other things like the, the fact that they're incredibly prolific breeders and they have a significant effect on, on prey species and other predator species. Uh, what about things like emulating sort of natural pride dynamics? What would those be in a self-sustaining system? And why is it important to emulate that in fenced reserves? Yeah, so, so in, a, in, a, in a, um, a big self-sustaining natural population, you know, like in the Serengeti and the Masai Mara and Kruger National Park or the Sulu or Nyerere Game Reserve, um, you know, lions. Lions will will, you know, will act like lions. You know, naturally. Um, you know, you'll have you'll have a you know a number of prides and 
they defend a territory, um, and within those prides, you've got you know males um, <clears throat> that dominate and and look after a, a group of uh, of prides as well, and um, you know they they um, uh, you know for example males you know will occupy a, a pride for two three years on average. Um, they'll start to sort of age and, and then you'll have this sort of competition from, from younger, younger lions, younger males that have dispersed their natal prides, you know, the prides that they've grown up in, um, you know, they've left those prides uh, to wander and, and seek, seek their new areas, you know. They've been kicked out of the, the, the prides by their fathers. Um, and so they grow and, and when they reach about four or five years, you know, they, they – their natural instinct is to to now sort of take over another area which has got females in it, unrelated generally females. And so they'll need to compete against the, the dominant males there. So there's, there's these sort of cycles that these lions go through. You know, the, the core is the females, related females, and then these prides, these males sort of cycle through from time to time. And I guess this is nature's way of ensuring that there's no inbreeding. Um uh, you know, males, fathers don't breed with their, their, their young daughters. Um, so, so the, the tenure of, of, of males in a pride is, is normally between sort of two and four or five years. Sometimes you get it longer, but, um, and that's enough time not to sort of breed with their, with their daughters. Um, and if it does happen, um, it, it, you know, Nature takes place. Nature in, ensures that they don't breed with their granddaughters, you know, and that's that's the most important thing. So, so, so that's natural selection, you know, and um, so the genetics of the lions, the populations are always healthy, you know. You've got the fittest, strongest genes passing through the the generations of lions, and um, and that's how they they survive, you know. Um, and uh, but these these sort of things don't really take place in these smaller isolated populations. You know the um, the corridors between populations have disappeared. Um, so so male lions that disperse from their their prides or if they, you know they kicked out of their prides by the dominant males, they really have nowhere to go. You know they they can't move out of the pride because there's a fence. You know and if they go across or over the fence. Um, they're into sort of areas where there's maybe cattle or agriculture and they come into conflict with, with people. Um, and that's, that's actually what's taking place in many, many areas of Africa now. I mean, even the Serengeti and the Mara, you know, lions are dispersing into the uh, overpopulated areas, you know, especially around the Serengeti, there's lots of Maasai and cattle and then they're getting killed. Um, but there's still a large enough area uh, in the Serengeti and the Mara to be protected and, and um, you know, a, a natural sort of life can take place in the prides. But, um, yeah, so in, in South Africa, we have to sort of mimic some of these uh, processes, these natural process that, processes that would normally take place in a, in a lion pride or in a lion population. Um, so we've developed... Um, you know, techniques to move lions from one population to another. We've developed a network of, of, of lion populations. Um, we've even formulated um, a sort of a forum of um, lion uh, reserves. And, uh, you know, we, we work together um, on, on trying to simulate and, and um, sort of initiate 
um, processes that would naturally take place. Because um, I think it's very, very important that, you know, we can have, you can sort of maintain a, a group of lions in, a, in an area, but at some stage you're going to have to, um, you know, simulate the male pride takeovers and, and try and simulate some of these natural processes that would normally take place. Uh, in a wild sort of, well, not, I mean, these lions are wild here, but they, in a sort of a larger populated lion population, um, it's really, really important to to keep healthy genes. You know, one of the other um, issues that we face, as I mentioned, is disease. And, um, you know, when you have inbreeding, um, and because nature can't take place, we have to avoid inbreeding at all costs. Um, and And because healthy genetics, healthy lions will naturally um, resist diseases and um, and that's that's kind of why well that's what we do in South Africa is we mimic some of these natural processes so we, a lot of the time we move in lines between populations um, just to sort of mimic pride takeovers um, and some of the behavioral impacts of pride takeovers um, you know pride, moving of males or new males will Will, will create very cohesive prides. And that's often one of the reasons why prides are formed is to protect cubs from new males. And, um, you know, so if you don't move male lions around, you know, prides tend to sort of splinter and scatter, etc. So, you know, we don't understand everything about lions, but, um, and that's why we've got to simulate some of these natural processes in these sort of more managed, intensively managed populations and smaller populations. You know, so most of the lion populations in South Africa are quite small. You know, they 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 less than fifty animals or less than a hundred animals. Um, for example, at Pinda, you know, we only have three or four prides. You know, maximum we've got forty, maybe fifty lions at any one time, and so that's just not enough lions to ensure that there isn't. Gen, uh, inbreeding and so we often bring in new males um, into the population to bring in new fresh genetics new blood um, and then we 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 send our males to to other other populations as well you know so we we basically mimicking the 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 dispersal of males and the introduction of males which is really really important to uh, ultimately to 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 have the strongest genetics uh, possible that's incredibly interesting. Thanks, Simon. And so you, you've mentioned the relocation or, or translocation and moving around of, of, of male lions. I wanted to also ask about rewilding. Are there, are there any examples where instead of just translocating males, Pinda has been able to help rewild other areas of Africa? Yeah, there is. You know, males is, is obviously the easiest, um, you know, and, and uh, naturally the 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 sex that would move in a lion population, you know, naturally, um, you know, young males of about two years, between two and a half and three years, they would naturally emigrate, you know, they would leave their, their pride um, and go and search for new prides or new areas, you know, or become nomadic and wander around. So they, 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 I guess, instinctively are the easiest animal to translocate and, and settle and move because it's kind of in their nature. Um, but females do move from time to time. You know, if a pride gets too big, they'll splinter off and uh, form a new pride. I mean, that happens a lot. Um, but but so, so in, in Africa and generally in conservation, um, if you've got an established 
sort of population, you'll tend to move the males more, young males. Um, but we, you know, there's many examples of, um, you know, rewilding and reestablishing of lions across Africa. I mean, there's there's been a huge growth in and movement in in rewilding. You know, new areas being uh, re-established and uh, rewilded. Uh, Mozambique, um, Malawi, Rwanda, Tanzania, uh, even in West Africa, and um, you know we've even here at Pinda is an example. We've we've expanded our park. You know, Pinda started when Pinda started in 1990. It was only 7,000 hectares. You know, which is really really small. Um, but we've we've grown to now 30,000 hectares, and so we've 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 created new areas which have required lions um so we've actually gone and sourced uh females and brought females in to to create and establish new prides um just because we've expanded so much and and quickly um so we we're we're also an example of that um so we've gone and sourced new females and it's good because it's new genetics into the population but um yeah, we've we've assisted uh, Rwanda in 2015. Um, we've we we sent uh, lions to Akagera National Park. Uh, we've sent lions to Mozambique uh, the year before, and over the last 30 years, we've we've probably uh, translocated more than um, 200 lions to other parks in South Africa. Uh, to establish new populations. And um, that was the, the real sort of growth in private reserves and even smaller state-run reserves, um, you know, in the Eastern Cape and Limpopo and, you know, the Northwest and even in Northern Cape as well. And because Pindo was one of the first sort of places, or certainly the first private reserve in South Africa to reintroduce lions, uh, we became quite an important source population of of lions for other parks in South Africa, but not just in South Africa, but in in Africa as well. As I've mentioned in Rwanda, which is which is quite groundbreaking. You know, it was, um, you know, it was a really really important conservation milestone. Certainly for Rwanda, is the reintroduction of lions there into Akagera National Park. Um, but yeah, so so we've been involved in a lot of rewilding projects and relocation projects. Uh, across the African continent. Incredible. And that statistic of over 200 lions translocated is is quite an incredible one. Um, is it also correct that Pinda was one of the first reserves, if not the first, to reintroduce cheetah and lion into the same um, reserve? Private reserve, I mean. Yeah. So, so back in 1991, um, when Pinda was sort of created and the area was large enough to sustain lions. Yeah, we were the first private reserve to reintroduce lions um, and develop techniques to 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 introduce lions successfully. I mean, it, back then it wasn't something that was widely done. Um, you know, we we sourced lions uh, from different prides uh, from the Kruger National Park, and we bonded uh, females together in in the Boma. Um, which which was was a new technique, um, you know, and that was for genetic reasons. You know, when you're starting off with a really small founder population, you want the the greatest genetic diversity. So it doesn't help to go get three females from the same pride, you know, because they are you know very closely related. Um, you want to take sort of females from different prides and then bond them together into one cohesive unit. And so that was done successfully here. 
and and then also the use of you know reintroduction bomas you know the soft release uh, process of of bringing lions into a boma an enclosed area a small like a hundred meter squared area you know keeping them in there for four to six weeks um, you know letting them settle and habituate trying to break that homing instinct that lions have and then releasing them successfully and that that worked very very well Pinda was one of the first places to do that for lions um, and then also just introducing lions into sort of fenced areas with communities, rural sort of communities, people around, um, you know, that worked very well. The electric, electric, electrification of fences and, and the consulting of, of communities, you know. And so all of that was really, really groundbreaking um, back in the day uh, when Pinda started and uh, introduced lions here. And also the, the intensive monitoring of lions afterwards. Dr. Luke Hunter, who um, obtained his PhD here, who went on to become, um, you know, a leading expert in lions and, um, you know, and, and founding organizations like Panthera. I mean, he, he, he really intensively monitored lions post-release, which has become kind of the norm and the standard now, you know, when, when lions are introduced. So all of those, all of those techniques, the radio collars of lions, etc., you know, happened and started here at Pinda. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, we're very proud of that, um, you know, and I guess since then, you know, we've been at the forefront of management of lions, certainly in, in smaller uh, private reserves or smaller reserves um, in South Africa and um, developing the techniques to manage lions in small reserves. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not an exact science. And so, um, because you have to manage them intensively, you have to, um, you know, learn a lot of new techniques and do things that that are fairly groundbreaking. And I was um, I was originally going to ask you, you know, like, so some people um, will hear you speak about uh, natural populations or self-sustaining populations, and then all of the smaller populations um, around Africa and indeed South Africa that are managed in, in smaller reserves. And they might think, if you have to so intensely manage the lions, why have lions um, at all? Well, it's it's a yeah, it's a very good question. Um, you know, I think certainly from a conservation point of view, you know, forty lions at Pinda really, on its own, plays no conservation significance. Um, you know, on, in the in the greater scheme of things, I think ultimately, as conservationists, we want to ensure that lions um, and their healthy genetics are sustained into the future. Um, and, um, but collectively, you know, if you've got a hundred, which is, I think there's a, I don't know the exact figure, but there's probably about forty to fifty small populations in South Africa that form a collective. And uh, are managing these smaller populations in a in a in a professional, um, ethical, um, and and best you know using best management practice, you know collectively you've got about three thousand lions, um, which is a significant number if you if you compare it to the total lions left in Africa, which is debatable, um, but most. Authorities and experts believe that there's around twenty thousand lions, maybe less. Um, I mean, that's a significant number, um, and 
you know, if the lions are healthy genetically, uh, they're free of disease, um, and they are, you know, existing, you know, well protected. Um, I do believe that they that alone is really really important. And like we've seen now in the rest of Africa, numbers lion numbers are in decline. Um, and what we see more and more is is that South African lions, like lions at Pinder, you know, the 40 that I, I referred to, are being used as a source population to to re you know rewild or restock where they've gone extinct. I'll use Malawi for example. So so lions um, from South Africa were brought to Malawi to uh, two or three parks in Malawi because they went extinct in the country. You know, there were no longer lions there. Um, and uh, now the lions in Malawi are flourishing. You know, they're doing really, really well, you know. And so, uh, and Rwanda is another example and Mozambique is another example. Um, and who's to say that in 10, 15 years, uh, there's not going to be other examples of, of lions from South Africa um, going from these small populations. So, so the long story is, is um, you know, all these small populations, if they managed well and, and as a collective, as a meta-population, as we like to call it, uh, in a structured way, you know, play a really, really significant role in the conservation of the lions in Africa. Um, and only because lion numbers are really in decline uh, across Africa. Uh, you know, we say that there's 20,000, but we can't be sure. Um, you know, lions are getting killed everywhere. Um, and, you know, they might be as low as 15,000. But, you know, and and, um, and that trajectory seems to be um, going down all the time. So the 3,000 lions that we find, you know, in these small reserves like Pinda, in years to come, will play a significant role in the conservation of lions in Africa. And I think we need to be very clear that we don't distinct, uh, there's a distinction between the lions that we have in these small reserves, these private reserves, um, to the lions that you find in captivity. You know, South Africa, in South Africa, we have, uh, we have a whole, we have about seven to possibly nine or 10,000 lions in captivity that are bred um, either for hunting or for the lion bone trade. And we have to distinguish ourselves from that. Um, those animals play no conservation role um, in, in the conservation of lion, lions in Africa. Um, they bred purely for, for those purposes uh, in, and, and they sort of in small cages or enclosures. We, we are talking about lions that are um, free, free roaming, you know, they're self-sustaining, they hunt for themselves. Um, they're just in small numbers in fenced reserves, basically. Um, and, and obviously they, they managed, but not in the same way as those captive animals. And Simon, my last question for you, um, that was a brilliant answer. Thank you. And my last question for you today is, um, what are the future, sorry, what is the future for lions on the African continent. You've spoken into it a little bit already, but um, given everything that's happening in conservation and the reestablishment of um, wild areas, what do you think the future is for lions on the African continent? Um, yeah, it's a, you know, we always want to be hopeful. Um, and I think we must be, you know, there's, there's still a lot of hope. And as conservationists, I think conservationists, 
are probably the most hopeful people on earth. You know, we 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 have to be positive. Um, and you know, there's a lot of organisations out there, um, namely Panthera, namely the Lion Recovery Fund, um, African Parks, um, you know, and and organisations like LIMF, which is the Lion Management Forum in South Africa, um, that are doing really really good work in uh, not just sort of protecting and conserving lion populations, but increasing the numbers of lions. You know, the populations of lions. Um, there's also a lot of good organizations that are sort of dealing with the conflict um, between human beings and lions, you know, in these places like Serengeti and Maasai There's a lot of good NGOs in the Ngorongo Crater, for example, as well, that are well supported. So so I guess we, we have to be hopeful, um, um, but we also have to be realistic that, you know, if we don't tackle some of these issues like human population growth, um, we are going to end up, you know, in a situation where lion numbers are going to decline. You know, you're going to be left with these islands or these small populations of lions, and then they won't exist. You know, because they'll either they'll become inbred and disappear. Um, so yeah, it's 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 very challenging. Um, I think lion numbers are, are going to decline still, um, but I, I I'm hopeful that we'll get to a point where. We'll reach a sort of a, a, a plateau, and 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 hopefully we can increase the numbers again. You know, and we, we have to look after the populations that we have, um, and support the organisations that are doing great work in Africa. You know, protect to protect the remaining populations and to grow uh, to grow new ones. Um, and we have to focus, I, I guess, on the larger populations. Um, that are remaining, you know, the the ones that are perhaps more viable than the smaller ones. Um, but yeah, I, I'm hopeful. I mean, there's there's a lot of good people, organisations, um, and certainly in South Africa, it it looks good. You know, the the the, the parks where that have lions are well protected. Um, you know, tourism. Um, you know, tourism because lions have such a high tourism value. I'm very hopeful that, that that will play a role in ensuring that where there are lions and good tourism, you know, they will be protected because they have value. I think we just have to manage the conflict uh, in such a way that, you know, people's livelihoods are not, um, you know, affected too much or they are compensated um, in, in, in the conflict. But I think we also have to uh, be realistic that if we don't manage and if we can't uh, reduce human growth rate, we are going to sit with with issues and lines de- in decline. But but yeah, I, I think I, I'm I'm very hopeful that lines will sort of persist into the into the future and um, and and we can sort of conserve them as 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 naturally as possible. Thanks, Simon. It's been fascinating to get your um, insights and uh, your wealth of knowledge and experience on managing lions and small reserves and to learn about all of the um, conservation that is currently happening to protect uh, this iconic species. So thank you so much for your time today and for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Josh. Thank you for listening to Leave Our World a Better Place. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you'd like to find out more about and beyond, please log on to our website at andbeyond.com.